Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you for this day that you have made called the Day of the Lord, a day where your people gathers to hear your voice, to consider your heart, to praise, to celebrate, to worship. We pray, O oh God, that our hearts might be properly aligned with your heart, Lord, that we might be able to understand your purpose for our lives, for life has no purpose outside of you, Lord, has no significance outside of your relationship. We pray that your word would be a light unto our feet, a lamp unto our path, Lord, that we might be able to know in the direction we're to walk and without stumble. We pray that your word would be a good seed planted in good hearts that would bring forth good fruit and a harvest that glorifies who you are. We pray, Father God, that your word would be the bread of life that nourishes our spirit. For man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Give us understanding today. Give us insight into your purpose. We pray that your word would be a double-edged sword that would cut into our lives and separate our soul from our spirit, that we might please you in all the things we do. Bless your word and return not it void, O God, for send it out for the purpose for which you have brought it to us today and allow us, Father God, to receive it and welcome it, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. It was... That whole concept of covenant keepers that a few years ago would invite us to share up in Charlotte, North Carolina with Rex and Carolyn Johnson. Um, and I, I understood that there was a lady named Marilyn Conrad who founded covenant keepers. And covenant keepers was a vision that would restore the understanding of covenant to those in marriage. Uh, marriage is not a contract. Marriage is not an agreement or a promise. It raises to the level of covenant. And covenant is the DNA of God. Covenant is the language of heaven. And that's why it's so bizarre and many of us don't understand it. In a, an attempt to describe covenant this morning, and obviously God is a God of covenant. God is a God whose relationships are sealed by covenant. That means that um, God, when he enters into relationship, doesn't do so outside of covenant. He's a, a God who keeps his word perpetually, and he doesn't go back on his word. And so that's why we don't understand many times this level of existence uh, very few men want to enter into covenant. And I know thousands and thousands of men that are running from covenant. Uh, they would rather die than to find themselves in need to an everlasting and perpetual covenant. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, Paul is saying, since we are now going into the level of the Spirit, it says, now we have received not the spirit of the world. So understand that there's, there's a level where you engage like the people in this world engage. And many of us are quick to connect through lust. That, that is the definition of connection in the world. It's through taking and not through giving. 
Uh, I love the example I, I always give when I do a marriage conference. Um, there was a young girl here at our church many years ago who was waiting to get married, and she uh, was she had her radars up, and she was always trying to field some type of uh, proposal to marriage. And finally, one man came, and he says, "Listen, I'm interested in you." And there's a possibility we might be able to connect, but I've written down a hundred things that if you do them for me, you might be a candidate for marriage. And she was super excited. She ran into my office. She says, Pastor, 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 I finally got an offer. I finally got a proposal. And I took that paper and I said, what is this? He says, these are the hundred things that he asked me to do for him. And if I do it for him, he'll marry me. And I grabbed that paper. I didn't even read it. I tore it up into a hundred pieces. She goes, what are you doing? I said, you tell that. (laughs) Fill in the blank. You tell that man that you're interested in knowing the hundred things he's going to do for you. Because you don't come to marriage to take. You come to marriage to give. And so he ran. She went back to him and he took off. We never saw him again. The nature of covenant is a spiritual nature. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 2, 12. It says, not according to the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Now, that's different terms. The spirit of the world is a taker. The spirit of God is a giver. He gave his only son. And with him, together, all things freely. He says, the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. That's the spirit of God, is one that comes to lay down their life and not take it up, not find out what benefit they could derive. Verse 13 says, so therefore, since it's the spirit of God and not the spirit of the world, these things we also speak. Not in the words which man's wisdom teaches. We don't use words that man would teach in his wisdom. But the Holy Spirit teaches these words that come from heaven. So that we might know spiritual things in spiritual understanding. And so we're spiritually illiterate. We don't know the language. Um, both musicians speak a language of composition and musical notes and, and this, these paragraphs. I, I've had the opportunity to see two virtuosos, maestros, these guys that know music at the depth. And when they started speaking about their music, it, it was like a foreign language. And I marveled at the depth and the intensity of their speech. And then the same thing with guys who know the IT language. And that program computers, they start talking, is it this language or that language? Is it, I don't know the words that they use, but it's phenomenal. They use IT language, programming language. And I I don't understand, and I'm foreign to those two concepts. But the spiritual language, a lot of men are foreign to. And that's why the word covenant is a word that is not known by men. The first time the word appears is in Genesis chapter 6, verse 18, when God is speaking, I think even a little bit before then, uh, God is speaking to Noah. 
And he says, I'm going to establish a covenant with you. You shall go into the ark, your sons, your wife, your sons' wives with you. I will establish my covenant. I will establish my covenant with you. A language that was and is not familiar to man up until our days. And it's super powerful that, that God would enter into a level of covenant with man. And when you see what covenant entails, it's not a word that God gives. I can tell you, I'll see you Monday morning at 9 o'clock in the morning in my office. And you show up at 845 because you don't want to be late. 9 comes around and no one shows up at the office. And you start wondering, did, I, did he say Monday at 9 or did, was it another day? And you get confused and you call and, and you finally reach me and it's 10 o'clock now. And you say, was it today we were supposed to meet at 9? And, and I said, yeah, but I wasn't able to make it. And I'm sorry, I didn't keep my word. And you're like, wow, the gentleman didn't keep his word. If, if I do that a couple times to you, you'll call me a liar. You won't be... I won't be reliable. You won't be able to hold my word as something that means something. But then I'll tell you, look, I wasn't able to meet this Monday. Let's meet next Monday at 9 o'clock. Uh, I promise I'll be there. Now, I've taken now the communication from I'll be there, which is my word, to I promise I'll be there. I've upped it a level of higher responsibility and, and higher value. I promise I'll be there at 9 o'clock. And, and Monday comes around and you're here at 8.30. And you're anxious to meet. And 9 o'clock comes and I don't show up. And you call and can't get a hold of me. It's 10 o'clock again. And you finally get a hold of me and say, did I miss something? Or did you not promise me that you would be there at 9 o'clock? I said, yeah, but you know something? I didn't keep my promise. So I'm sorry. And you're like, wow, this guy's really messed up. And then I say, look, let's do something that will take it to the highest level that I can offer you. Not my word, not my promise, my covenant. Covenant is a promise that you cannot break. Not just in a season of urgency or difficulty, but never, ever, ever beyond any reason. Can you go back on covenant? Because that is the spiritual nature of God. His yes is yes. His no is no. He doesn't say yes and then say maybe. He doesn't say maybe and then say I don't know. When God gives his word, the Bible says, heaven and earth will pass away. My words will never pass away. He's a God who keeps his promises, and thank God, every single promise of God is yes and amen. You could take it to the bank, and our yeses expire around the corner. When it gets difficulty, when it's unbearable, when we cannot keep it any longer. And I'm mesmerized by the lack of our ability to keep our word, our promise. And so from the time that God created man, he created man nothing less than to be like God. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. When man said yes, it meant yes. 
Nowadays, we have contracts, we have penalties, we have sanctions, we have court orders, we have injunctions, we have all manner of things to keep man to keep his word. And he still has no capacity to do so. And so there it is. Man has fallen from his character like God and become totally opposite. We see throughout generations God would keep his word. He says there in Genesis chapter 9 verse 8, he tells Noah, Noah, I've entered into a covenant with you and with your sons and with your wives, sons, your family, and now I will establish my covenant with you again and your descendants after you. 9-11 says, I've destroyed I, thus I established my covenant with you. Never again shall flesh be cut off by water of the floods. This was after the flood. He enters into another covenant. He says, to show you that I will never flood the earth again, I will set a rainbow. Verse 13, I believe, there it is. I set a rainbow in the clouds, and it shall be as a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. So again, God establishes the covenant with him and his family, establishes a covenant with the rainbow. Later on, we see him establish a covenant with Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, he says, This agreement I have with you, Abraham, get out of your country from your family, from your father's house, and the land I'll show you. I'm going to have an agreement with you, a covenant to make you a blessing to all the families on the earth. They called the first one the Noah, Noah covenant. The second one the Abrahamic covenant. He enters into a covenant with Moses in Exodus. And God is a God of covenants. God doesn't know anything but covenant. We're on the opposite spectrum of these relationships. We don't have an idea what it is to keep our word forever. We don't know what it is to be able to enter into an agreement. Uh, the connection of never coming out of it. Genesis 15, 18. This covenant that he entered with Abraham. On the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham saying, To your descendants I've given this land. From the river of Egypt, the great river, and the river Euphrates. Verse 19. The Canaanites, the Kezanites, the Cadmonites, verse 20. All those that dwell in this hand, land, the Hittites, the Pezrites, Raphim, 21. The Amorites, the Canaanites, all those that dwell in this land, this land I've given you by covenant, that belongs to you by agreement. So he enters into a covenant with Moses after Abraham. In Exodus 34, 28, he says, this is the, the covenant of the law where I'm going to keep an agreement. So he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He neither, neither ate nor drank. They came into an agreement. He wrote on tablets the words of the covenant in the Ten Commandments. He says that this, this would include the keeping the Sabbath as an everlasting covenant. He entered into a covenant with David after Moses. He entered into a covenant with Israel. And then in Jesus Christ, the night that Jesus was going to be crucified, 
In 1 Corinthians 11.25, Jesus says, this will be the new covenant in my blood. I'm going to establish a new covenant with man, and this covenant is what we share. Uh, the Old Testament known as the Old Covenant, the New Testament known as the New Covenant. And the New Covenant is a covenant of the blood of Jesus. This is what he says. He says, since man is unable to live at my level of character and integrity, I'll do this for him. I'll send my son to pour out his blood. And I'll enter into agreement. Whoever receives my son will have eternal life. He'll have forgiveness of sin. He'll be connected with me forever. You see, the rest of the New Testament is a description of this covenant that God made with man. It's described in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 8. Since he's finding fault with them, he says, behold, the days of, are coming. Since I can't get man to get on my same page, I'll enter into a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. The days are coming, says the Lord, I'll make a new covenant. What is that new covenant? Verse 9, not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand out of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant. They broke this arrangement that I had for them. So I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. Verse 10, for this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I'm going to put my laws in their mind and I'm going to write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer shall anyone have to teach his neighbor, each brother saying, know the Lord, for they all shall know me from the least to the greatest of these. Verse 12, I will be merciful towards their iniquities and I will remember their sins no longer. I'm going to wipe out anything that could stop man from being connected to me. Hebrews 12, 24 says that this blood would have a mediator. This covenant would have one who would oversee the covenant. To Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, to the blood that's sprinkled, that speaks better than that of Abel. And so now God enters into a relationship with man, this covenant relationship, that requires somebody to be able to keep their word at levels where it's not broken. Hebrews 13.20 says that it would become an everlasting covenant. We don't need another agreement than this one. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, he being the great shepherd of the sheep, because of the blood of the everlasting covenant. What God has done in the death of Jesus Christ is connect believers with him forever. There's never a time where this will be broken. It's not maybe. It's not almost. It's, all, it's the agreement of God of a new covenant in the blood of his son. And so as we're participants of that, and this is where we're going, that being participants of the covenant of God, knowing the nature of God, we're able to enter into covenant with one another. So I don't know who you have a covenant with. Should be your wife. That's, that should not be the only covenant, but it should be one that bears witness to your capacity to having the nature of God in your life. And far be it from man to be able to keep his covenant with his wife or a wife with her husband the Lord is wanting into 
enter into a covenant with those disciples the night he was about to leave. And he says, let's be covenant brothers. Let's enter into a relationship that goes far beyond your capacity to speak. And we know that we, we have deficiencies in our capacity to speak. Far beyond our capacity to promise. Because if there's one thing that man has a tendency to continually do is to break his promises. And my kids learned from an early age and they would quote scripture to me. Because they know if they got a yes out of my mouth, I need to be a man of my word. So they would point at me, the little fingers, five, six, seven years old, and says, let your yes be yes, and your no be no. Because the nature of the devil is different. Matthew 5, 37. Jesus said the nature of God is being able to say yes, let your yes be yes, and your no be no. For whatever is added to this, whatever is more than this, is the nature of the evil one. The name devil means speak twice. It means to put things in question, put things confusion, put things in doubt, put things in uncertainty. To be able to divide your words where yes means no and no means yes. That becomes a problem. In our life, we start taking on the nature of Satan. We have the inability to have the nature of God. I believe it's Hebrews 13, 12 that says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What happens that a lot of times we tell our kids yes and next week it means no. And so they learn this nature also. They learn this capacity to divert and, and fly below the radar. They're not committed to anything or anyone. The relationship of the covenant of marriage, uh, I asked the Lord, and this is very funny and very sad at the same time. I was in law school when I asked the vet to get married. I was taking a criminal course, and we learned that there was something called a life sentence. It's up, right up there next to death penalty. And as I was driving to the courthouse to get married and to get our license, I, I realized that marriage is a life sentence. I was entering into an agreement that would be the first agreement I would ever make for the rest of my life. So I pulled over the side of the highway. I said, listen, I'm not driving myself to my own life sentence. You drive. And she goes, no, if you want me, you got to go. You got to drive. I said, okay, I'll drive. A life sentence. It would be the first time in my life I would give my word for the rest of my life. That's a, a gruesome thought. That's an incredible thought. But when I asked the Lord why he would want me to commit to one woman for the rest of my life, and trust me, I did ask that question. I had never made such a serious commitment my entire life. And the Lord took me to Malachi chapter 2. In verse 15, did he not make them one? And having a remnant of the Spirit, he could have done many things. Why did he want them to become one? Why one? It's because he was seeking godly offspring. He was seeking an issue. Uh, 
there was another verse, another translation that says he was seeking godly seed. There's something in covenant that preserves the unit that is birthed out of covenant. He seeks righteous seed, another verse says. Therefore, take heed to your spirit and never be disloyal, treacherous, divide the union of the wife of your youth. Never cause there to be a split in this union. And so I understood God wanted me to commit to Yvette forever because that would be a spiritual umbrella that would cover my children under that relationship. That would protect them from demons. That would protect them from the flood of debauchery and depravity. We can't even understand the depth of what this entails. But when that covenant is broken, the demons that are unleashed against our children are deep and are dark. The devastation that occurs to those that are outside of covenant relationship become disastrous. The way Bill Gothard describes it, he says the, the fire inside a house was created to stay within the confines of the chimney. And there it provides incredible warmth and it adds incredible benefits to the family, keeping the house warm. But if you were to take that fire and remove it from the chimney and start a fire on your couch or on your master bedroom, or inside the living room, or even the kitchen, if it unleashes on the cabinets, great destruction occurs to the family. And so those that are engaging in relationships outside of covenant and have sex and intimacy, it's a fire that consumes, a selfish fire that destroys and diminishes the capacity to have family. This morning as I was speaking to a couple of men and I was asking them, what outside of the Bible, God, Jesus Christ, and the church would be able, allow us to design our families, our marriages, our relationships with husband and wife and fathers and children? What resource is there outside of the Bible that teaches man how to be a husband, a father, and to run a family? Guess what? It doesn't exist. There is no material in the entire world outside of biblical teaching that helps a man be a champion, that helps a wife not be a witch, that helps children stay within the confines of protection. All this under this, this relationship that is confined and put together through covenant. The, the actual result of maturity because the Bible says in James chapter 3, verse 2, I believe, 1 and 2, it says, if you want to be a perfect man, you have to not take back your word. A man who offends not in his words is a perfect man. So be careful how you speak because the tongue could unleash a forest fire and destroy. It's like running a ship without the steering column. When you don't bridle your tongue and be careful what you speak. The men that I have met over my lifetime would get married and the day of the first calamity or adversity were running to the courthouse to get a divorce. 
And then they would get remarried. And the first day they had a calamity, they would run to the courthouse and get divorced. And I have a personal friend for three times. Every time he had conflict in the home, he would run to the courthouse and file for a divorce, even without his wife knowing. You call that a brat. You call that a spoiled man, an immature man. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter, three, uh, chapter 13, verse 11, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. You don't have a capacity to keep your word when you're immature. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I understood like a child. But when I became, it's 1 Corinthians 13, 11, when I became a man, when I became a man, I did away with childish approaches. Look at the three things a child does. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood like a child. I thought like a child. But when I became a man, I was done with immaturity. I was done with that. Now there's no more powerful thing in the world to imitate Christ. He says, I enter into a new covenant of my blood. This is what a new covenant sounds like. Ready? All the men say with me, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. I'll be with you to the end. You know who can talk like that? The nature of Christ in man. The commitment of not going back on your word. Your word does not expire. Your word is not finished. That's why this word is so powerful. God is going to keep his word. God is not going to go back on his promises. You could hold him to his word. We talked about one of those words being in Acts chapter 16, verse 31, where it says, you and your household will be saved. This is part of of the premiums of the new covenant in his blood. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved together with your family. So who said that? God did. It's part of the new covenant. And that's why the covenant keepers stand on their covenant. They know that God would not go back on his word. And so some have had to stand a year. Some have had to stand five years. Some have had to stand ten. Rex and Carolyn Johnson were away from each other for 13 years. And the Lord restored their marriage. And now they are leaders and teaching other people how to honor covenant marriage. There's never a time where covenant comes to an end and expires. A person that gives his word in covenant is to keep his word all of his life. The Bible says that this is better than the old covenant. Because the old covenant had deficiencies because it was based on man's capacity to perform. If you do this, then I'll do this. If you do this, then I'll do this. But God says, seeing that it was imperfect because man kept on breaking his side of the covenant, now God would make a covenant that was foolproof. It was a covenant um, that, that was guaranteed. Ezekiel chapter, I believe it's 31 Let's go there. Super important that we touch on this, this part of the covenant. Ezekiel 31, verse 31. God says, this is the new covenant that I will make in those days, says the Lord. He's talking about what the new covenant would entail. If we could put that up on the screen there. 
Ezekiel 31, 31. Is it 30, 31? You guys have it? It's, it's written in Jeremiah 31, 31. Let's go to Jeremiah. And then we'll go back to Ezekiel now. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Next verse. Not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day that I took them from the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. They say that that night that Jesus gave them and says, I enter into the new covenant in my blood, was the proposal that would be made between the men of Israel and their wives. He would ask them for a perpetual relationship that would last forever. He would say that the basis of that 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 agreement would be one, let's go ahead and, and find that once and for all, one that would require a new heart, a heart that had the laws of God written upon it. Ezekiel 36 in verse 22. Therefore says the, uh, to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations who you went to be with. I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst. And the nations shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I am hallowed in your, before their eyes, in you before their eyes. I will take you from among the nations and gather you out of the countries and bring you to this land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you. I will take out the heart of stone. The, I will take out a heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave you to your fathers. You shall be my people and I will be your God. I will deliver you from all your uncleanness. I will call for the grain and the multiply it and bring no famine upon you. And I will multiply the fruit of your trees and the increase of your fields so that you need never again to bear the reproach of famine amongst the nations. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds which you were 
that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and your abomination. Not for your sake do I do this, says the Lord. Let it be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your own ways, O house of Israel. God says, since you weren't able to do it, I'm going to do my part, and I'm going to do your part too. I'm going to put my heart inside of you. I'm going to take that heart of stone. I'm going to cause you to walk in my ways. I'm going to write my laws upon your heart. I'm going to allow you to inherit even though the tendency is for us to not inherit. Let's stand this morning and let's ask God, God, I want to be a, a, a citizen of the kingdom of God. I want to be able to engage in covenant. One of the powerful things I see in scripture is that Jonathan and David were two friends that were able to enter into covenant. Way before anybody had the capacity to enter into covenant, these men were able to say, you know something? I want to be with you forever. I want you to be my brother forever. Nothing will ever divide me from you. You know what the modern day people call that? When you make a commitment at that level, they call it a cult. You know why they call it a cult? Because people would rather engage in lies. People would rather disconnect and distance themselves and be outside of a relationship. Well, we've understood this morning that God has established the new covenant. And, and I'll tell you what, I, I've thanked God a thousand times in the last 34 years that this is not the, on the basis of my capacity to keep, Right? That this relationship is not the basis on what I can do or what I can perform. It's the basis of a new covenant that God is going to do that work in me. And that it doesn't expire. It's not going to come to a time where he throws in the towel and quits. He is a God of covenant. He's a God that that is his spiritual DNA. These are heavenly uh, concepts and, and scenarios. And now if I come into these things and I could enjoy this relationship with God and reflect it with my wife, that's what I did the day I got married. I entered into covenant marriage. I told my wife, forever, no matter what happens, no matter what occurs, this union is a union that I enter into you. Now, a lot of people, when I go to a lot of these programs that interview me, usually they have a gay person on the other side of the table and they say, go ahead and tell us why this is not legitimate. Why same-sex marriages cannot function. And I say, well, because the nature of marriage involves God as a witness of that union. God is part of the, of the coming together of a husband and wife. It's not a two relationship it's a three relationship God in the center of marriage unions and brings it together and gay marriage is not uh, is not a holy union it's not a union where God is a witness and he's saying go for it um, they say yeah but the heterosexual you guys that are say you're Christians and you don't believe in same-sex marriages you break covenant you guys are a disaster, so don't come and tell us that we're doing something wrong because you haven't done something right. And so every time I've gone to these places, that's their contention. They sit there and say, if you guys don't live inside of that union, first of all, a covenant with God, covenant with your spouse, a covenant with your family, a covenant with your church. When we sit there and we break the body, the bread and the cup of the Lord, and we, we, 
we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we're celebrating the new covenant in his blood. What does that mean? That that nature is becoming our nature. That that capacity to be faithful and to be connected is, is inbred in our DNA. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. We're not, we're not flip-flopping all over the place. Father, thank you this morning that we've been able to consider your word. Thank you that you are a God not only of an everlasting word with great and precious promises, but you're a God of covenant. You're a God that raises our capacity to be mature, to have relationships that serve holiness and serves your kingdom and our perpetual connections, oh God. There are spiritual connections, oh God. And there's never a split in your family, oh God. There's, you hate divorce, God. You hate division. You hate men who abandon their relationships and abandon their promises and their covenants. You're a God who desires to show forth your kingdom upon this earth. And that is your glory, Lord. The capacity, Lord, to mature at the level that we're to honor your word and honor our oath. We pray, Father God, that even though this is against sinful nature, which is selfish and independent and divisive and isolates, that we press forward into the maturity. Not by power nor by might, but by your spirit, O oh God. That our capacity to think and to speak and to act might be at levels and degrees of covenant. A relationship that is spiritual in nature. And that connection is an everlasting covenant. An eternal covenant, O oh God. Forgive us, Lord, our wicked ways. Forgive us our rebellion and disobedience. Our inability to honor your word, Lord. I pray for the renewal, restoration, and reconciliation of all things through your redemptive plan, O oh God. That you're able to make us new in Christ Jesus. New in our relationship with you, O oh God. And that this would be progressive in our maturity and in our understanding. We pray in Jesus' name. And the house of God says, Amen, Amen, and Amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord. Hallelujah.